Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. And Margaret's going to come forward and read the Bible reading to us from Luke chapter 11, 5 to 13. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, I know how to, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, we continue now a series entitled Parables Jesus Told, where we're looking at the parables, those pointed stories, those stories that make a point uh, that Jesus told within Luke's gospel. Uh, And today we're looking at Luke chapter 11 and verse 5 to 13, and there are two parables, one about a guy who comes to his friend at midnight, and another one about a father who gives good gifts, and both of these are teaching us about prayer. Just to give you the context, we read in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He stops at a place to pray. And afterwards, one of the disciples asks him to teach them to pray. And Jesus then gives them a model prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer, which we've just prayed, and we pray every Sunday. After that, Jesus tells them two parables about prayer, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. So the first parable we read in Luke chapter 11, verses 5, from verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine, An unexpected guest, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Okay, so here's a guy. He has this unexpected friend who's just arrived. He's got no food to give him. So he goes to a neighbor to ask for some bread. We need to understand something of the cultural background here. Okay, first of all, they didn't travel around in motor cars, they didn't have cars, and uh, they didn't have these 24-hour motels that you could check into at any time. They would have to walk and travel by foot, and they would travel from village to village. And when you would arrive at a village, you would find a friend, or a friend of a friend, or a friend of a friend's friend, and, and you would go and stay with them. And so, 
Hospitality was a big deal in the Middle Eastern culture in that day. So hospitality is a huge thing. Uh, you, you have to provide hospitality. You, you have to welcome the guest, and you have to provide the guest with an adequate meal. If you fail to welcome a guest and provide him with an adequate meal, uh, you will lose face. Uh, you, you will be shamed. And if you, you know, a host has to feed the guest. And the guest has to eat. And, the, um, and you have to give your guest an a unbroken piece of bread. You, you can't give him leftovers. You can't give him a half-eaten piece of bread. That would be an insult. You would be shamed. You would bring shame on your whole family. You would bring shame on the whole village. So hospitality is a big deal. And so this guy is in a tight spot. I mean, just imagine this for a moment. All of a sudden, you have an unexpected guest who suddenly arrives in the middle of the night. That's unusual. People don't normally arrive in the middle of the night. And you don't have any unbroken loaf in your house. You can't call Domino's pizzas. They haven't been invented yet. Luckily for you, uh, you know, in that culture, all the women got together to break, uh, bake the bread together. So you know who in the village has most recently baked bread. And if you don't know, your wife sure will tell you. And so this guy goes to his neighbor to ask his neighbor for three loaves of bread. It's a modest request, three loaves of bread. These would be in your flat, round bread uh, that would have been used to, to dip into the communal dish. It was almost used as like a spoon to scoop up the food so you could eat it. Now, what was a crucial point that's often missed out when we're looking at this parable is that within that culture, the guest was not just the guest of that individual. He was the guest of the whole village, the whole community. And so it's the, the whole community is responsible for hospitality, not just this host. See, the whole community has a responsibility to ensure that when this guest leaves their village, he leaves with a good feeling about the hospitality of the whole village. So, there is no shame in going to your neighbor to ask him to help you with hospitality. And as long as the request is modest enough, refusal is unthinkable. Jesus continues in verse 7. He says, and suppose the one inside, that's the neighbor, suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Okay, this would have been a poor peasant's house. They would have had just a single room where everyone would sleep on mats on the floor. And what this guy is basically saying is, don't bother me. I'm already in bed with my family. If I get up and open the door, the kids will wake up. Can you imagine a neighbor responding like that? I sure can. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm in bed in the middle of the night and my kids are fast asleep and some neighbor of mine comes and he's constantly ringing the doorbell repeatedly because he wants a loaf of bread, I'm going to get just slightly annoyed. I mean, it's not like he needs A&E. So yes, I can imagine someone responding like this 
And I would tell the guy to go get lost. Now, this will be a shock to you. Listen to this. In that culture, they would reply, No way. I cannot imagine anyone responding like that. No way. I cannot imagine someone coming up with such feeble excuses when his friend's honor is at stake. When the the honor of the whole village is at stake. And, And my honor is at stake. No, I simply cannot imagine anyone responding like that. In fact, within that culture, the excuses are so silly that they were laughable. It was humorous. I mean, how hard is it to unlock a door? Uh, and sure, the kids might stir, but they'll go back to sleep. So it's, it's, they would have laughed at this man's excuse. It, it was a joke. They simply couldn't re- imagine anyone responding like this guy. And then Jesus says in verse 8, and this is the, the crucial point of the whole parable, he says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameful, sorry, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, the, the crucial phrase there is because of your shameless audacity. Now, that's a, quite ambiguous in the Greek. A very literal translation would be, yet because of his shamelessness. So that's ambiguous. Who, whose shamelessness is he talking about? Is he talking about the shamelessness of the neighbor who, who's refusing to, to help the man inside in bed? Or is he talking about the man outside who is asking for bread? See, if, if it's talking about the guy inside in bed, the neighbor, then it would be his shame in refusing to help to provide hospitality. If it's referring to the man outside who is asking for the bread, then it will refer to his shame in asking for bread in the middle of the night. But as we've already seen within that culture, there is absolutely no shame whatsoever in asking for someone to help you provide hospitality. There is, however, huge shame in refusing to provide hospitality. So this verse is most likely referring to the neighbor, referring to the shame of the man inside if he refuses to help. Unfortunately, many translations have translated it as if it's replying to the guy outside who's asking for the bread. Some translations have even tried to put a positive spin on it and and have translated it as boldness or persistence. There is... No uh, shame, and there is no boldness or persistence in asking for your neighbor to help you in hospitality in that culture. And the Greek word clearly means shamelessness. So it's most likely referring to the neighbor who is inside in bed, and it's referring to the shame of the man inside if he refuses to help. So what Jesus is saying is, if this guy, this neighbor, will not help you because he's your friend, he will certainly give you bread because of his shamelessness. Because in order to avoid shame, in order to make sure that he doesn't lose face, he will certainly give you whatever you ask. And the NIV has a, a footnote with an alternative translation which reads, yet to preserve his good name. Uh, and that would be the correct, I would believe that would be the correct translation. Okay, so what 
is the point? What is the point of this parable? Well, Jesus is using a how much more argument. He has this guy, and he's in a desperate situation. His friend, his unexpected guest, has just arrived. He needs to feed him. He doesn't have food. Everything seems to be against him. It's night. His neighbor is asleep. His neighbor's kids are asleep. The door is locked. And his neighbor doesn't even seem to like him that much. Yet, his neighbor will still give him even more than he asks because he's a man of integrity. He does not want to be ashamed. How much more is God a person of infinite integrity? You see, if we can expect a friend, even a bad friend who doesn't even like us that much, to come through in our hour of need, how much more can we expect God to come through for us in our time of need? If you are confident of having your needs met when you go to such a neighbor in the night, how much more can you be confident when you take your request to God because God is a God of infinite integrity and more than that, God is our loving Father who loves us dearly. And He certainly will meet our needs. So the point of the parable is that it doesn't matter what desperate situation we're in. It doesn't matter how late it is, what time it is, we can have confidence to go before God. Knowing that God will not refuse us, He will not keep us locked outside, God will meet our needs because God is a person of infinite integrity and He's our loving Father who loves us dearly. Now the next parable, Jesus uses the same uh, and how much more argument. And we read in verse 11 and 13, Which of you fathers, if a son asks him for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Okay, no father's going to do that. Hey, Dad, can I have an egg? No, he has a scorpion. Okay, no dad's going to do that. At least you hope not. Then in verse 13, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, evil is quite a big word. (laughs) It effectively means sinful. Even the best of father is sinful. Even the best father at times is selfish and self-centered. He'll get tired and frustrated with his kids. Jesus' point is that if even the worst of fathers knows how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your perfect father in heaven give you good gifts? Therefore, let's go before God in prayer with confidence knowing that God will answer our prayers and God will give us good gifts. Okay, let's just pause for a moment and ask a question. Does God really answer our prayers? Does God really meet our needs? Because there seem to be a lot of unanswered prayers. There seem to be a lot of people who are are really struggling. So does God really answer our prayers? Now there's some simple points about prayer and there's some more complicated points. Let's look at the simple ones first. Firstly, God promises us good gifts. Often we ask for things which we think are good, but they're actually not. 
If a child asks for a scorpion or a snake, a father's going to say, no, that's not good, that's harmful. And there have been many times in the past when I have asked for stupid things. Things which I thought I really needed, but God in His wisdom said, no. If God had always answered all my prayers the way I wanted God to answer my prayers, I would have married the wrong woman many times. So I am thankful for unanswered prayer. God promises to meet our needs, not our greeds. Okay, the, the, the illustration is all about eggs and fish and bread. These are the basic common foods of that day. And I think what Jesus is promising is that God will provide for our ongoing needs, not our greeds. Okay, but even then, sometimes it seems as though God isn't even doing that. He isn't even providing for those needs. This is where it gets a little bit more complicated. And this leads to my third point. God is essentially promising to give us a good gift, and that good gift is the Holy Spirit. We read in verse 13 at the end, it says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To those who ask God is promising to give the Holy Spirit. God is promising to give Himself to you. God is not, in this passage, God is not promising so much to change all the situations, but He's promising to give Himself to you. Okay, but you might say, well, okay, you know, that's great, but this sounds like a bit of a cop-out. You know, I've got some real needs. I'm really struggling over here. What, what, What does this mean? Okay, let's unpack that. Prayer is more about a relationship with God than it is about receiving stuff. Jesus says in verse 9 and 10, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and whoever seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So prayer is about asking for our needs to be met. The, The first verb, ask, is primarily referring to material needs and situations, asking for our needs to be met. But that's only part of prayer. The main part of prayer is developing our relationship with God. As the other two verbs indicate, seek and knock are referring primarily to our spiritual needs and developing our relationship with God, as in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Prayer is not so much about receiving stuff as prayer is about developing our relationship with God, having our spiritual needs met. It's about sharing all your wants and your dreams with God. It's about sharing all your frustrations and your heartaches with God and developing and deepening your relationship with God. And Jesus says this is for everyone. In verse 10, he says, for everyone who asks, receives. This is inclusive. There's no conditions. It's not limited. Everyone. Everyone who asks will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, for Jesus' audience, they would have found this quite shocking. They believed that God would only give his Holy Spirit to certain people, to the very religious, to the good people, to those who deserve it people, but not everyone. Jesus says, no, this is for everyone. Perhaps you feel, well, you know, I haven't been all that good. I, I, I've done some stupid things in my life. I've done, 
I've done things and I've said things that, that I regret, that I feel ashamed of. I don't think God will answer my prayers. I, th- I think God is punishing me. Jesus says, no. Everyone. Anyone who seeks God with all their heart, God will answer their prayer. God will give them the Holy Spirit. God will give Himself to you. Perhaps you're feeling, but, but you know, I'm really struggling. I'm going through a difficult time. Uh, uh, God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers. I think God is punishing me. No, no, no. God is a good, loving Father who gives good gifts and ultimately gives Himself to you. He gives us His Holy Spirit. You see, prayer is not so much about changing circumstances as it is about changing you. See, in this passage, God isn't promising, He isn't promising to resolve the issue, to change, just make the problem go away. He's promising to come to you, to give Himself to you, to be present with you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to enable you to get through. He's promising to give you the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit to make you have that, uh, that, that greater perseverance, that greater patience, that greater love, that greater character. So when we're in a tight spot, when we're really struggling, let's go to God in prayer. When, when no, no one else, there's no one else to help us, nothing else is working out, let's go to God in prayer, knowing That He won't refuse us. He won't keep us locked out. He will hear us. And let's pour out our heart to God. Tell Him all our hurts, all our frustrations. And allow God, by His Holy Spirit, to come into your life. To be present in your life. To comfort you. To strengthen you. To carry you. What do you do when you really struggle? When you're really struggling, you're in a tight spot, you're at the, the end of your tether, what do you do? Let me tell you what I do. I find a quiet spot, a bit of time and space, where I can be alone with God. And I tell God exactly how I'm feeling. I I. I, I Tell him all my hurts, all my frustrations, all my anger. Sometimes I get angry. And I just let it all out. I get it all off my chest. God can handle our honesty. And after I've got it all off my chest, I say, God, please fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. Give me that extra grace that I need. Give me that extra strength, that extra peace that I need to get through this. Sometimes I'll just put on some worship music, maybe a CD or on YouTube, just listen to some worship music and just allow the music and the words and ultimately the Spirit of God just to minister to me, just to fill me with His presence and be aware of His presence with me. Often when I'm finished, I know the situation hasn't changed, but I've changed. And I'm able to get through by the grace of God. So don't neglect God. Meet with God. Ensure you're meeting with God. Victoria sometimes finds lighting candles helps her to focus. Maybe when you're driving to work, just listen to some worship CDs. 
Spend some time reading your Bible. Go for a walk, a prayer walk. Walk and talk to God. But ensure you're spending time with God. And don't neglect the community. Don't try and go it alone. Don't try and withdraw. You'll only make it worse. Don't neglect all your Christian friends. Rather, meet up with your Christian friends. Share all your heartaches and your burdens and and your worries. And pray with each other. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But God will be present with you. God promises to give Himself, His Holy Spirit, and He will be present with you. He will be comforting you. He will be strengthening you. He will be carrying you. I know you probably won't even realize, but later, one day, you will look back and you'll see, wow, God really was there. God really was working through that situation, working through my friends, working through my church community. God really was carrying me. Wow, I didn't even realize. That's why it's good to have a prayer diary and write down your struggles and your prayers because when you look back, you'll suddenly go, wow, God, you really were there. Carrying me, helping me, changing me. Wow, you really are a God of infinite integrity. A loving Father who loves us so dearly that you give us yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're not like that guy, that neighbor. You don't say to us, don't bother me, I'm busy. But Father, you're always there, always available. Always calling us. Always wanting a relationship with us. Always promising to give yourself to us. To be with us. To be present. To be strengthening us. Be comforting us. Be carrying us. And Father, we thank you that we can at any time come into your presence. And talk to you that you desire a relationship with us. And we thank you that all of this is possible because of what you did for us on the cross. Because you loved us so much that you died for us. And you give us a hope and a future. And so Father, we we confess that times we... We struggle and we think we can do it alone. Father, help us to surrender to you, to trust you. And Father, won't you make yourself, just make yourself consciously present with us. Help us to be aware of your presence in our life. Maybe if you're going through a a bit of a struggle and a difficulty now, just spend a few moments now to just to say that to God, just to be honest with God and just say, look, God, what's going on in this situation? I just want to hand it to you. What's going on there? Give it to him. God, why aren't you doing this? Why don't you respond? And then just ask God, just surrender and say, okay, God, just fill me afresh with your presence, with your spirit. And then as part of that prayer, and at the end of that prayer, we're going to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk